Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson. Today we have a very special guest coming back to the show. Our first repeat guest of the entire ever is Adam <laughs> Seltzner. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, Kevin. Thank yeah! You. yeah. We're, uh, we're also joined by Griff Pippen and Jimmy O. Yang. Yeah, yeah. Woo. And Jimmy O. Yang is going to tell us, uh, hopefully, I think at the beginning, about going to the Golden Globes last night and not winning. Fresh <laughs> off the Golden Globes, man. See, I'm, I'm not important enough to actually go into the ceremony. Because uh, really? only <laughs> TJ the... and Thomas oh, and like Mike man. and Alec gets to go. It's, very, it, it's in the Beverly Hilton Theater, so it's very small. So now we get to go to the viewing party, uh, which is in the same building, and the after party where everybody shows up. So they have different after parties. This is how it works. Like at the Beverly Hilton, they have the Weinstein party, the Netflix party, the NBC party, and we're in the HBO party. It was really cool, you know. Um, I get to take a picture of Brian Cranston, and uh, Patrick Stewart nice. was a huge fan of ours. Oh, that was awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah was I was super jealous cool. when, I, when you said oh, that. Oh, my God. I think he was and just then, a fan of you more than anything. <laughs> well, I was actually waiting because I was so nervous <laughs> going up to Brian Cranston. I, I totally like did like a fanboy thing. I'm Mr. Cranston, such a huge fan. Can I please take a <laughs> picture you. with you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't mention face. I was on a show. He didn't know I'm on a show. He was real nice. He took a picture. And then Patrick Stewart approached. I saw Patrick Stewart talking to Mike Judge the whole time. Later, only did I know that he was a fan. So I saw Patrick Stewart approach. We caught eye contact. I was waiting for him to be like, hey, man, you funny. Like, <laughs> to Brian Cranston. But he didn't say nothing. And I just kind of, like, crab walked sideways away. There's <laughs> so a bunch of people. Like, Harrison Ford was there and stuff. What? Like, it was really freaking awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Harrison we didn't Ford. Win. Yeah, he, we didn't, uh, we didn't Harrison win, Ford so. was in Star Trek, right? He, yeah, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. The new right generation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's fun. It's just, uh, it's hard to go back to real life after that. You know what I mean? I love how and, I have uh, to, uh, oh. Jimmy, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into whether you're B or C list celebrity. Let's just ignore that whole discussion. <laughs> but I like how w we're still at the level where we have to just meet the, the A-listers through through you. Yeah, one degree of separation. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're meeting, There's a whole system designed You're going to meet stuff. Neil deGrasse Tyson tomorrow. You're meeting A-list celebrity. You think he's A-list? A-list well, scientist. You're meeting A-list scientist. He's meeting A-list. I'm, I'm meeting nobody. No, I mean, right yeah, Adam's an A-list scientist, too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, he's totally A-list. Right? I've, I've known big scientists for a long <laughs> a time. A-list You know, I know Thorne <laughs> and, and Stephen Hawking. We've talked about that before. Yep. But there's something about A-list Like, there's still a huge fraction in the world who has no idea who they are. Yeah, they can be secret. Yeah. I like that. I can think that's kind of cool. Yeah. That they can get. And yeah. you guys are the actual people that's making a difference. You know what I mean? Not Harrison Ford. Yeah, you're I don't doing think. more than Harrison Ford. Mm, I don't know about I that. I don't think so. <laughs> if Harrison Ford wanted to just steer the entire course of history, he probably could. Yeah. Just with really? a, a, a cleverly phrased. Yeah. Okay. A blaster. <laughs> if, if you guys have the science mind and genius minds that you guys have, but you guys are as famous as Harrison Ford, what would be the first thing or the most important thing you, you, you would question, do? Great question, Jimmy. Well played. I'll let you take that, Adam. Yeah. Well, I, first thing, I'd go to Disneyland. <laughs> Shut down the whole place. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. You I think they really make Harrison pay at the gate? I don't know Probably how that works. Not, right? Because he's. I yeah, think well, so. Actually, I think there's a place. There's a way that you know if you're. Like you just go and see it. Actually, I don't know what you do. You don't get to go to places where there's lots of people if you're super famous. Yeah, you, because then there's people all over you. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, last night all these people, just Chateau Marmot and, like, all these hotels that were just... Like hundreds of people gawking on the street just oh, to yeah. see people getting out of black SUVs. So even Matt, uh, Matt Damon also winner last yeah. night, best, yeah. best actor for the comedy for comedy. Yeah, comedy. best hilarious. Which one is the funniest Martian. movies of the year? <laughs> yeah, that really Martian was. was so funny. Which is a smart way to do Almost as funny as the book. Yeah, <laughs> but God, I, so many great jokes. But uh, I, so I sent out congrats to our previous Shirley Joking guest, uh, Andy Weir, for his yes. book. I'm sure he's really excited, although I, you know, I he doesn't get that much recognition at the movie part. I, guess, I absolutely uh, tweeted out to him, too, uh, last night. Um, I was astounded because when I read his book, I didn't get how funny it was, evidently, um, uh, to win a Golden Globe <laughs> for comedy. Well, when, uh, when we went up there to you know, interview him, that just got both me and uh, and Owen just that he's so funny in person yeah. that episode is great One of the he's so funny in, in the universe and, and uh, we were still kind of slow in setting up so it, it, like a lot of the humor is before we were even recording okay. it was just okay. yeah he was really funny oh. but I, the reason I brought up Matt Damon I'm sorry Jimmy I'm gonna get there <laughs> I brought up Matt Damon for a reason which is that um, I, I got to meet him on his birthday because he just went to the improv one time and that's oh, a wow. place where they're also very used to celebrities by himself right yeah by himself on his that birthday was on his birthday because I think his thing is, I'm just going to go somewhere. I'm going to go to a comedy show right. and just sit down. And one of the things that was just so sad is that, you know, in um, the movie uh, World Police or Team America World Police, mm-hmm. where they, they go like, Matt Damon, like that. Yeah. That happened like 20 times in his earshot the whole time he was there. <laughs> and that was like the first real negative side of being too famous. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was like, I did a little math on that. I was like, he must hear that like a hundred times a day wow, yeah. for the last decade, yep. just nonstop. That's like yep. his version of I'm Rick James, bitch. Yeah, yeah Joe, yeah, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, J- Spade, uh, David Spade. Yeah. He says, Joe Dirt, all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was there last night, but nobody paid attention to him. Oh. Like, you know, that's, that, that's how insane this party was. I was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> of course so you did. Did you guys see the actual purpose. broadcast of the Golden Globes? Yeah. Did you see the whole jokes of uh, Ricky Gervais on Mel Gibson? Yeah, that was good. Well, the the non bleeped ones because a lot of that stuff was was they, bleeped. They did bleep. Okay, so a lot. what did they bleep? Or did they just cut out certain parts? It just goes. It just goes. I mean, there would be little sections where people would just be like, "Oh wow!" And you couldn't hear, and then just completely, like, yeah, completely edited out. Not okay. bleeped, but just edited. Yeah, the joke where he's like, uh, you, "You know who? Uh, you, you know who Mel blames?" That joke was so that was boom. completely beeped. I heard that. No, oh, I that, heard that. That was good. Okay, that was hilarious. What didn't we hear? Because uh, we I, we get to watch at the viewing party. It was like a little closed circuit type of deal. So I think we saw a little more. more. But, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just not bleeped, I guess. Right. But it was very, 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 very fun. <laughs> oh, I touched ass with uh, Liev Schreiber. He was wow. standing behind me. His ass bumped into my ass. Mm. Oh, you asked to ask on that. Asked to Ooh, ask. Moon landing. Shot. Moon yeah, landing. Yeah, that's like to make sure, though. <laughs> that guy, he could hurt you. <laughs> he could hurt yeah, you. yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, for uh, bonobos, monkeys, or I'm sorry, chimps, uh-huh. uh, or apes. Let me start that thought over. For bonobo, <laughs> <laughs> bonobo apes, uh, that's actually like a high five. Oh really? So yeah. I high fived. Yeah, they turned like two. Schreiber. Let's start that. Let's two make that a thing for humans, dude. Together. You guys want to go? Yeah, stouts or leaves. Slap I'm ass. just gonna be to slap <laughs> ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down. I'm down with that. So Adam, could you uh, tell us a little bit about your book? Sure. Uh, sort of a story, a bit of my life, my life at the lab, and the building of the Curiosity rover, and its landing system, and uh, and then some stuff that I've learned about working with people and uh, working on projects that require and demand a lot of innovation. 
And uh, by the lab, of course, you mean JPL. The lab. I mean the Jet Propulsion the lab. Laboratory. <laughs> the one featured in The Martian. Yes, the one featured love. in The Martian. Exactly. <laughs> great uh, setup. Great, great setup on that, uh, uh, Kev. Just uh, hey, <laughs> hey, guest. Uh, t- tell us about your book. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. Let's, that's talk. enough about asses <laughs> and golden globes. Let's, let's transition yeah. into well, let's, books. Let's help Adam plug his book, right? Adam Selzner's book yeah. uh, with William Patrick. It's called <laughs> The Right Kind of Crazy, a true story of teamwork, leadership, and high-stakes innovation. And it's yes. dropping tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Gorgeous so, tomorrow. artwork. That was Must have been done by me. a huge, <laughs> well-known artist in yes. Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Famous. <clears throat> Soon to be famous. That's awesome, <laughs> man. So how, how long was this in the works for? Oh, like about three years. It wow. took a long time. Because I, I got a you know demanding day job. So I'm. it's nights and weekends. It takes a while to put it together. But ha- Have you been right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Applause break on that. So one. they can pick this up where at uh, Amazon and uh, yeah, everywhere you could imagine. Uh, you know, Amazon, uh, CEO Reed, uh-huh. other places, but not Mars. You cannot buy it on Mars. <laughs> yeah. That will be illegal panspermia. Oh wow! Look at this. He's got it. He's on it. I'm learning. He's totally on it. Yeah. Planetary yeah. protection. I'd have to right. sterilize the whole thing, and I have to sterilize it at temperatures that the books would burn. Uh-huh. Books probably are really hard to sterilize. Yeah, they are. Yeah. That would make sense. Unless we're on DVD or something like that. Especially. <laughs> so what, what do you think, the, what do you think um, your favorite part about writing this book was? Actually, it's, it's a chance to sit back or step back and take a look at, you know, your life. When you write your memoir or you write yours, Jimmy, you'll have a chance to s- s- step back and say, hey, what the hell were these <laughs> years about? What did uh-huh. I learn? What was the meaning to it? Uh, you know, what's the utility of it? I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure Griff's going to be 100% ghostwritten. Ah. I'd, yeah. But duh, it's going to be I, like I an oral history. everything I do. <laughs> and it's not uh, going to be like a banjo him. song yeah. or something. Jimmy ghostwrites all my jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've always wanted an Asian chick to write my jokes for me. He's bra- what do you think is your favorite chapter in your life so far that you're able to put in that book? Oh, wow. Great one. Uh <clears throat> I, I wrote that question for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't worry. He well, goes right to my written. questions for yeah, guests. That's fantastic. No. <laughs> uh, I, I actually would think it's this last period of time where I'm writing the book and I'm thinking about uh, about all that's gone down. Um, you know, I ran pretty hard through about 15 years of career, and it's only when you get a chance to stop and, and take stock that you can sort of really appreciate it. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's the last last three, five years of my life. That's nice. kind of that kind of bums me out actually because, <clears throat> well, because uh, I've noticed that people yet? physicists that have a lot of Twitter followers write books, and I want a lot of Twitter Twitter it's followers. It's about Twitter. And, so now uh, you have to. Write I don't a have book. enough life experience to have written a book yet, and a lot of people have warned to not write books when you're too junior, especially for scientists. Like John I mean, Carroll said that about you know. About physics. Got it. So I was hoping you're going to say that, yeah, if you're out there, you just have a little bit of experience, just go for it right away. And it sounds yeah. like you just said the exact opposite. No, I kind of said the exact opposite. That's true. A nuclear physicist who picked up stand-up comedy midlife and wants to tell dick jokes. I think that's a pretty interesting transition, and I would read that book. Yeah, you know, you need, you need to go through your first, like, big substance abuse struggle and... and, <laughs> and, and that would be a good chapter, you know? You got to put that in there. 
You, you really go to the, the deep stuff right away. You know, <laughs> yeah, like... if you want to sell books, you got to have a cocaine problem or get molested or something, right? Well, Russell Brand, who's a great writer, you know Russell Brand? I do know Russell he Brand. He has two versions. He has Bookie Wookie and Bookie Wookie 2. He talks about how he was a heroin addict. Hmm? He went to bathrooms in public places and would give oral sex to other men for heroin. He needles. did? He yeah. do- openly talks about yeah. that in his book, uh-huh. and that's why they sell. Mm-hmm. People want to hear this guy being completely And he's vulnerable. such a su- success. Yeah. You, you, you equate that with that. What, 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 what was your process of writing a book? Did you have a whole outline you had, and then you start writing? And no, like absolutely bits and not. pieces? So we just, uh, my co-author and I, we sat down, uh, tape recorder, and first to sort of vomit out all of the facts of life mm-hmm. and and then start to put together sort of the bones of a story not totally linear in time and you know it took a few passes it started out as really kind of a straight memoir mm-hmm. and then then after the bones were there i was able to step back and sort of drive my own voice into it and really look for what lessons i'd learned and that was the where a lot of the maybe transferable lessons to other folks came from was that second half of the process. Mm. It's like building a one-man show almost, a similar type of process or structure. Yeah, I would imagine so. But when you're actually trying to map out the arc of a a story, um, it's actually a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I think it's it's completely like a right brain process versus what you guys might do on a daily basis. I'm sure there's a mix of everything, but yeah, this process of building an arc of a story is a completely different. That's all I can do. I can't do anything you guys do, but I think it's a really fun process. Yeah. It takes a lot of work, but once it's done, it's something you're just so proud of. Yep, yep, yeah. So uh, I'm going back to this when in a career is the right time. Like, uh, we're having uh, Bobak come up on the show next episode. Is he too young to write a book? Because he's got the right audience already, I think. So. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, uh, Can you just, like, like no, Mohawk it's not, and I don't, I don't think. I don't think it's... Should we ask too, him that next Yeah, you time? absolutely should. <laughs> um, you totally ask him whether he's, you know, what book he's got going on. Um, you know, I don't... Uh, this is not the... This did not start out as, and I certainly hope it isn't, a end of career taking stock of my life because mm-hmm. I still think oh, I no, got I a wasn't, lot. I didn't no, no, I don't think it, I'm not saying it, but um, I think there is always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity for you, Kevin. You can write your book. I think okay. you're ready. It's not an age thing, right? The Mulala girl has a book. She's what right. 17. Well, it right. kind of in physics, so 16. it kind of is, but the world's changing. Well, it depends. Because are you writing a story about your career in physics, or are you writing a story about your life, including the <laughs> stand-up comedy? I'd probably do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, That's a different situation. Or just do a comedy physics book. That's one of them. Yeah. Oh, a humorous physics. Caveman book. physics is one of the ones I've been okay. thinking of. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, Adam, who, who's this book for? For physicists, for scientists, or for everyone? Um, as my friend, uh, artist, and uh, and good friend Tom Sachs wrote in his blurb, <laughs> uh, it's for artists and scientists alike. So, anyway, it's for everybody. So, um, uh, it's for folks who want to geek out on on the stuff that we geek out on because we love that. The whole it's, JPL stuff. The whole JPL the, the, the stuff, the engineering, the, uh, the space exploration, mm-hmm. that works for them. It's, I hope, got lessons for folks who want to be happier in life, better in business, who work in groups of people and want them to do better working together. Uh, leadership, folks who've got leadership challenges, people who are looking to innovate. 
um, all of those folks are uh, are worth this is targeted for. It's like almost a leadership book. We we touched on that a little bit last time of you managing so many other genius people. Yeah. Around you, yeah, you, have, you have great yeah. management skills. Well, you just have to give up trying to be the smart one, or the smartest one, um, and uh, and just you know keep up with a great team, which is it's a fun thing to do. Mm. Is there a lot of egos, kind of like a football team, or? There are. It's not a story. It's not a kiss all or a story about the conflicts of egos, uh, but there certainly are a lot of egos, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, a lot of passionately held opinions and convictions. That certainly is the case. I definitely ran into that at the JPL culture when I started talking to people about this dust thing that we talked about. <laughs> right. Because uh, uh, me and another physicist here, we did some simulations and things like that. And if I even brought it up, I could tell that, like uh, it made people very emotional. And the more I read about it, I found out like, oh, there's people at JPL arguing with each other about it. And that's mm -hmm. part of the problem is that you're, you're kind of like, it's like walking in on a Thanksgiving meal, you right. know, family dinner yes, or something. Exactly. <laughs> Having the whole Trump versus Rubio argument with right, your right. aunt and uncle who <laughs> right. have been going at it at home forever. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I ended up not even – I was going to put the paper up on the archive. I haven't done that yet because I want at least one person who officially works on Martian dust to, to say, to oh, okay, have a I get what you're saying. And I, I don't it. care if they agree with it. I just want someone to have a conversation right. with me. I can't even – It's it evoked so much emotion in people because oh, the movie, I think, drew so much attention to it right. that it just made everybody really angry. Well, I think emotional. also, yeah, exactly. Wait, it's not – it's too early. Yeah. <laughs> I like Jimmy's question talking about you have to be in charge of all these brilliant people and all these egos. I mean, to be a leader of all these people, do you have to get rid of your ego and just kind of, I guess, to, you have to be a leader, but you also can't, you, you can't be too controlling? I mean, it, right. was there, what's, that's an interesting dynamic that you yeah, have to work with. Yeah, it absolutely is. In fact, um, uh, I think in general, folks, as they move through an organization like the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, find that as they move into larger roles with greater responsibility, you actually have less control and you have more um, subtle ways in which you try and steer the product of the effort that you're working on. And so it, it, sometimes I've, I, it's like first gloves and then gloves inside oven mitts and then gloves inside oven mitts inside baseball mitts. I mean, you start to get less and less ability to directly wow. contact the work. And it's more through questions, through, um, uh, through the opinions of the team, trying to sway them, trying to sort of gently nudge them in a direction so that they can go where you think they need to go, but under their own power. So it's something I've noticed about uh, the way Hollywood shows science leaders it just drives me crazy because it's not at all true. But they show it like they, they think it's sort of like all about clout. Like, you know, some really smart person. Everyone right. just loves that person. Right. And that's somehow some sort of science dictator. And yeah. it's not like that at In all. In fact, it's it got to be, be easier the opposite. Like that, it's it not. should be the and, and that's one of the things I, I love about JPL in the, the lab. Um, I think it's the opposite at the lab. It's about ideas, not people. Right. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's about separating the ideas from the people that hold them and letting the ideas have this sort of brutal, mortal combat, combat mm -hmm. with one another and having the people have a great amount of respect for one another. It's yeah. when you over-personalize sure. the ideas that you can't debate them. Mm -hmm. Reference yeah, so dust and the Martian question. Right, and that's, that's why I think, it, I think you, you hit on why it bugs me so much that they show that in Hollywood is because... 
uh, I think it skews people's perception of how science works. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's not it's not by chance that there's no like you know dictator of ideas. It's it's because the entire point of science is to find out which ideas are true and which ideas are, are right. not true. Absolutely. And if you actually if we actually ran it like that, and you know it's, to some degree it breaks down and turns into that, but if we tried to run it that way. It, you know, it wouldn't really ever work. Right. We wouldn't, I mean, you look at like the Large Hadron Collider or the Mars missions, it's a, it's a huge clump of groups of people where everyone there is extremely talented. And, you know, it's not just one person steering the, the wheel on it. That's, that's usually the opposite of science is where you see organizations like that. Mm. Right. Because that's like an easy way right. to bury true ideas. It's right. just to have somebody say, no, I don't like that one. It's just little preferences of uh -huh. the person in charge so are there a lot of like super talented <clears throat> yet egomaniac scientists that kind of self-destructive you know because they're unable oh, yeah. to work at a big team kind of like the des Bryant or the terrell owens <laughs> oh, of God. science I, th I think i have that problem you do I mean, yeah i mean i i there's a certain size collaboration where my personality just doesn't work well with it because it's too hard to steer the ship is that like three four people maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like anybody else working with you in a room in like during a podcast <laughs> maybe i've got some notes for for you actually four, four notes. exactly exactly four uh one of the things that always goes through my head and from way you were describing it, it sounds like the same with jpl is just you know pick your battles over and over and over right it's like there's sometimes where if everyone has worked on an idea and even if, you know, everyone might know that there's certain, there might not have been the right, you were talking about your glove analogy that mm -hmm. made me think of it. Mm -hmm. There's times where sometimes the the best way to go about it is the way that is working at that moment, not just how right. one person wants to see it that way in the, the long term. Well, when you're leading, you definitely have to make sure that you're not putting your ego, cl being clouded by the ideas that you think are great, even when the team has got something that's working and going in a different direction. So yeah, absolutely, momentum is a big, big part of it. Mm -hmm. Keep the momentum going, keep the team moving. Not having an ego is crucial to being a good leader. You have to have enough ego to make, you have to actually have titanic ego. You're gonna make, there's gonna be position, times when you're going to be asked or demanded or it's part of your role to make a decision that has huge implications. So you've got to be willing to make the call mm. to say, hmm, yeah, we're going to go this way. You have to have a huge ego to go, I, I believe in myself to make this giant decision, but also you can't let it get, you, you can't be too subjective. I'm going to go with this decision because I'm emotionally attached yeah. to it if, it if it could hurt the progress of the project. Right. What was one of those moments when you had to make the big call? Um, we've, it happens fairly frequently. Um, actually, a very interesting one was we found an error in our software three days before landing. Whoa. <laughs> and we spent all night long, actually for a couple of days, we spent a couple of days, including one all-nighter, trying to figure out whether we needed to make that change. And the team was uniformly, almost uniformly, for not making the change. Oh. And I said, I think we need to make a change, Ooh. which was a huge kerfuffle, you know, uh, and we debated it, and we actually decided to make the change. Ooh, um, this is juicy. Yeah, it was this super is like juicy. very movie-worthy. Yeah, I talk about that Hollywood, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, um, there are times, and that's a high-pressure situation, right? We had a few hours to make the choice, make the change to computer software, upload a new version of these parameters to the spacecraft before we went into the 
into the Martian atmosphere. And this is one of these things where if you upload it, you always risk that you'll just break right. everything. Right, so that wow. was the big wow. question. It wasn't that whether the making the change was good. Everybody could agree on that. Yeah. It was it's just, just whether it that were worth the risk of risking sending more uh, yeah. an, up another parameter it's update. It's like to the clicking spacecraft. the install Yosemite 10.2 update. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. exactly that's right. what you're describing. Exactly. Yeah. It's you like, have that moment like, yeah. is this really going to work out or am I going to be back gonna to the Apple store? The whole that's right. So that's, that's right. badass. So the whole team's like, no, you're wrong. You're like, I'm the leader. I know what I'm doing. You made uh, the decision. No, no, no. And it's it not like that. Out. It is not like that. The team went through, and the what, where the team's perspective was, and especially Miguel San Martin, my my good friend and the guy who has really had his hands around this problem. He said, I can see no reason that we have to make the change. Uh, and So it wasn't like it was going to not, the landing wasn't going to work if the change wasn't we made? We couldn't find in our simulations a reason, a smoking gun to tell us we had to make the change. Oh, man. My Sounds concern like I was, against you just with no knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> my concern was our simulations are not absolutely true. They are a partial truth, a partial representation of the universe. And my concern was there was something lurking outside of that, the set of things that we understood and were simulated in our models that could be a problem. We got a lot of scientists listening. Can you tell us what the change was, or is it yeah. just way oh, too technical? No, no, it's super easy. It was to the um, geometric location of the center of navigation of our um, IMU, Inertial Measurement Unit. So we have a... Uh, a, a, um, a device that has gyroscopes that measure the angular rate of the vehicle and an accelerometer that measures the translational accelerations. And those kinematic or those measurements are put together kinematically at a certain point. We had the wrong version of that point, a few inches away. Mm. So what that meant was the way the spacecraft calculated its its journey through the universe, it had a slight error between the way rotations and translations were combined together. Oh, okay. So it was sort of a profound error deep at the core of all of our dynamic calculations, and yet our simulations didn't suggest that that profound error caused us trouble. Mm. Just because it's a big enough ship that it didn't It's a, It was a few inches off, yeah, okay. um, <clears throat> but there, our simulations are, in some sense, a very partial representation. They didn't have, for instance, the vibrational modes of the spacecraft mm -hmm. included. And so it was this concern that there were elements outside of our modeling that could bite us that led me to recommend that we make the change. Wow, and by making that call, <clears throat> that's kind of like yeah, Pete you could Carroll be wrong. <laughs> on fourth and one, throwing <laughs> the ball instead of letting Marshawn Lynch run it. Great analogy. Because if it's right, then you don't get that much props, but if it's wrong, then you're just oh my god, you're you the fucked worst it up, ever. Right? Is that is well, that what it is? Or? Right, but again, but it's not a single. This we we never do anything that's in a single fashion. When I I was in charge of the landing team, when I made that suggestion, the project manager who's above me, then polled the project management team, and they were actually interestingly no 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 change no change no change no change until he got to his deputy, and his deputy say I think we should make the change. Wow. And the chief engineer for the project was the last guy in the room. And he said, okay, chief engineer, what do you think? And that was Rob Manning, who also has a book out. And, uh, and You're Rob only allowed to plug one book. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Next podcast, I'll plug, I'll plug Rob's book. But, um, uh, and Rob said, I, th I agree with Adam. I think we should make the change. So that was uh, Richard Cook, Rob Manning, and myself were, suggested it. And Pete Tysinger, the project manager, drew his breath in. He thought about it for... 
what seemed like a million mm -hmm. moments and then said, okay, we'll make the change. But wow. Jimmy, I think if uh, if the the real pressure was that if the EDL didn't work at all, if the because it was live on TV and everything, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was watching it for yes, sure. Absolutely. And I remember Adam, you like you're right near the camera too, right in the center. Yeah, right. And so you know, if it, if anything had gone wrong, he would have been blamed anyway because <laughs> right. he was the right. face as, of as the my, landing team. As my so. friend and and mentor Gentry Lee says, um, so sometimes there has to be one ass to kick, and mine that night was the one ass to kick. Wow. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's funny that, that if that had turned out to be the cause of the problem, that upload, mm -hmm. it, there would have been so many backseat drivers. Because I know that happened with the, the previous Mars mission that was lost because of the unit errors or mm -hmm. something. Everyone's just casually like, how could they be so dumb? You know, I, I bet the same thing would have happened. Like, oh, yeah. how could you not have your IMU in the right, right. center? Right, <laughs> right. Like, people well, have no idea what that means would be charming in. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, we yeah. were cooked because... The sky crane maneuver looked so outlandish that if anything had gone wrong, everybody would have said, well, you idiots, that looks totally crazy. <laughs> right, right, right. What the heck were you thinking? So, uh, Stelzner's an idiot. Get him out of here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No that I told you no. we shouldn't have changed it, but he's like, oh, I messed her head on show. And then look what happened. Now the now the rover looks, the curiosity looks like a Lego that's been broken into pieces. Corey, you should narrate the audio book. Yeah, I like it. I like the accent. <laughs> Turn to the first page on your website and I'll narrate it. I'll narrate it. I was about five years old when I decided I wanted to work for NASA. <laughs> the rest was history. I'm trying to get the accent. Where is that from? Like a it's a made up, lower horrible, not. Yeah, it's a it's a made Riff up nerd it. accent I have, and then I come out here and I meet the highest level scientists, and like they're actually cooler than I am. So no, <laughs> it doesn't sound like anyone at all. Yeah, nerd stereotypes aren't that not true that at right. all. Not yeah. not true at all. You know, Jimmy, I gotta say. Uh, but I don't know much about this other show, but one of the things I, I started watching, I got to catch up on Silicon Valley mm -hmm. because I think it's really obnoxious to not watch a show that it's I... fine. Well, but I like it a lot. And <laughs> now that I know that Patrick Stewart's a fan, I want to watch yeah. the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, totally validates I, the show. Uh, totally. But one of the things I got to say about that show is I think that's one of the best portrayals of nerdy people, I think. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. perfectly nice, mm -hmm. but it's it seems more honest to me than like... Uh, Big Bang Theory or some other things. Yeah, they're actually that. cool and social. Yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, they might have faults, like like uh, emotional faults, but they're yeah. much more, I think, normal. It's not a cliche. And go out yeah. partying, yeah. some of them. I saw some dudes, students on campus that were like jacked guys. Programmers. Oh. Like, <laughs> yeah, programmers. Yeah. I've never, that's, I've never heard that. Bro yeah, I saw some programmers. Yeah. And then there's some things where I think people might not even realize are accurate, but they may think are bad. Like the, I love the Kid Rock intro where nobody's paying attention. Oh yeah, like that's so realistic. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it that really, is kind of right. And I, I've never seen that portrayed in a TV show because I think most people just not understand what, you know, why that would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just. Yeah, know. I think they went in depth in the length to like make sure everything's true. You know, hire the right consultants and stuff. <clears throat> so I, I, I think it's 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 more of uh, they want to pay homage to that actual and, and, and be a good satire to that mm -hmm. industry because if it's not true then it's not funny 
Yeah. Right. That's why everyone I know that says they like the show goes, it's so real. Yeah. That's what people love about the show. Or like when you're doing a bit on stage and then somebody's laughing really hard, they're like, yo, that's so true, my cousin does that. That's <laughs> when it's funny. You know what I mean? When you make up some shit, it's not that funny. Yeah. That's why the Tai Chi bit is so people, great. <laughs> Chris, some people don't watch it because it's so real. I've talked to a lot of, a lot of Silicon Valley people. Oh, yeah, people they say it's too much. Don't watch it. Yeah. Just like, it's like... Seeing something that pissed you off at work today, you know, like, right? So. I don't want to watch that on my television. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, so I just want to cover some news that happened today. It's kind of sad, but Ooh. of course, David Bowie died. Yeah, know that. I was wondering if you were a David Bowie fan. Can we do thirty minutes of silence? The next thirty minutes. Griff, your mic's been cut, so uh, you've, we've been doing it. Every I don't time. know why. <laughs> I'm still, I don't know why I'm still on this podcast. So you should have cut it a long time ago. No, seriously, I was a, I am a big David Bowie fan, and um, you know, actually, strange. It was today was actually slightly strange for me because, um, you know, people die, and I don't usually think about it. But mm -hmm. I was humming David Bowie tunes all day oh, long. Oh wow! It took you. Yeah, it did take me. Same thing happened when Nate Dogg died for me. That's uh, yeah. yeah. He's a lot younger though. I don't. I don't feel as as bad when people David Bowie's age die because I feel like he led. Him and people like him, they led like amazing lives, like really long lives, and he was productive right up until the end. I watched some of the videos mm. from his new album. Oh, yeah. and well, I was, he was yeah. getting ready for this, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, he was preparing for it. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty good way to go. Yeah, 69. I mean, that's that's fair. That's what, not bad. What, what's our age uh, expectancy, life expectancy? For men, it's 80? like 72, 73. It's not really wow. that far. higher in America. It's like 78 or something. It might be, yeah. yeah. Think, you think about know. the world it keeps average. Japanese people got the like highest. Like eighty-four right? now. You're They're like, like six, seven years older than us on average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it also keeps going up because, mm -hmm. uh, the, like, all, most of the main killers, cancer and heart disease, are just getting better and better cures by the day. Geniuses so. like you guys. Well, in that kid we interviewed last time, he said cancer could be cured in ten years, right? Remember that kid? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Our our guests. Yeah, we we had this episode where we, uh, one of our guests canceled uh, and didn't show up. So, <laughs> and so we were just sitting here, we're like, well, we can do this ourselves, or just get it, grab a guest. So then Jimmy said, let's just go get a Caltech student, and he just walked around the library. <laughs> yeah. and we had a great episode of this like real really life cool grad kid. student. Well, that's pretty and cool. it was appropriate too because it was uh, uh, it was PhD comics Jorge Cham. Yep. That was going to be the guest, so it was extra fun. And he canceled. Like, we just yeah. want to make that clear. Yeah, we want to make Jorge that clear. Jorge Cham canceled on us. <laughs> yeah. Jorge. Smudge upon you. Yeah. Your you know, you can't trust no Asian dude named Jorge, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no. that's, that's a red flag already. You know? <laughs> no better, but Kat. then we got this other real-life grad Mexican student, and he turned out Chan. to be yeah. awesome. And he was a uh, biophysicist, mm -hmm. and he talked about nanotechnology and Do you guys and think biomolecules that's, that, that's pretty like on that. point? Cancer being cured in 10 years and AIDS being cured well, in 5 years? I, Not a Pfizer It's probably more his specialty, but uh, I mean, it seems like it's going that direction to me. Like that's I know great. of many people in my family who are battling cancer right now and the, the rate at which I know people who are getting uh, treated when that that treatment wouldn't have worked even as recently as like five years ago is mm -hmm. going up and Obviously David Bowie just died of cancer, so it's not always true But you know cancer is kind of a broad stroke for mm -hmm. a whole collection of ways that things can go wrong mm. So I don't know I it might be do you think that's the only way we can send people to Mars or are you more in favor of like faster? Oh, yeah, rockets? that was a great point you brought up, right? 
So it's so what? Cancer well, the only way that we can yeah, send people? Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Sorry, cancer I'm confused. Let me, sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I lost the thread there. Maybe you need to well, rewrite your book with this conversation. Yeah. In it. Well, it's 500 days round uh, trip. Okay, in you're a, talking about the, yeah, the radiation people. exposure. Yeah. Right, right. So one way is, you know, as a nuclear physicist, I know about the damage part. Right. I know that shielding is, is ex- possible, very but not... very expensive. A lot of water yeah. or a lot of cross-section of slope. Right, yeah. yeah it's just, right. it's got to be high-Z material. That's yep. not a thing you want to bring up. Because right. It costs money, right? Uh, so it's another alternative is just that we cure cancer. You know, just you have that on the. We have good enough technology that it could be cured on scrub the way there. Scrub out, yes, and, and continues just, to scrub the damaged uh, cells and stop the cancer from growing. Sure, um, there's a. You know, so I think we when we chatted last time, there's a lot of questions that are open about humans like going and living on Mars. Um, I I think I said, uh, you know, we don't live in the deserts of this con- of this world, That's the right. desert yeah, regions and the super time. stark yeah. desert regions. Um, and they're super much more friendly and loving and warm and cuddly and wet and filled with life than Mars. So I would imagine for population, for places to go, we'd go live there before we'd go over to Mars. If you're looking, if we're worried about concentration risk, right, all of us on the planet Earth, well, then that's a, there's a good argument there. To branch out. Well, I just meant for an astronaut. Yeah, so. for an astronaut, you can do that, or people who are, you know, there's other risks other than cancer that oh, are yeah, that yeah. are you're exposed to on the 500 days to, to um, Mars. Sure, but I mean, do you think which do you think is going to just, if we were going to bet on it, if you were going to bet, uh, would you say we, if somebody said, look, we have two paths that we have to pick right now to go go to Mars. Do we have to spend all our money on getting faster rockets or all our money on curing cancer? Which would you do? Well, I would. I know do, which one would right, sell better. Yeah, of course, well, and of, and of <laughs> course, curing, yeah, exactly. Well, cure, curing cancer, of course, has some other benefits, some side benefits. Yeah, well, we need to cure rocket would, cancer uh, so they can go further. I would strongly argue that so does faster rockets, but because uh, I think we're equally in danger of of being or, wiped well, out by or asteroids. Or we spin so. it this way: if we can build faster rockets, they can get to other planets with chemicals that will cure cancer. Spin it yeah. that way. Yeah, that's pretty good. There's some idiots that'll. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so at any rate, um, you know, cancer would be the better way to go. Well, right. um, so in the episode when we talked to Emily, we talked about um, you know, different goals of space exploration, right? Colonization, knowing uh, how we came about, <clears throat> things like that. Uh, what's uh, JPL's goal? What, what, what's your goal? Uh, well, my goal there's a do? there's a whole there's a wide spectrum of goals that I think we have. One, asking a question of life: Are right. we alone in the in the in the universe in the solar system? That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. I think the actual act of exploring is um, benefit enough. It's like uh, performance art, right? It's it's something that we do as a gesture of humanity, mm-hmm. like playing music or stand-up it's comedy. Art, it's almost artistic. It Space is exploration artistic. is it very artistic. It absolutely is. Like all the best things that we do. So um, uh, we at the lab explore with robots. Mm-hmm. So we're doing not the human part, part of it, but the robotic exploration. And there are specific science questions, usually hinging on life, uh-huh. or understanding better our solar system. Each destination tends to have its own particular question that we have that we're trying to unlock. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the heart of them are questions of humanity, questions of are we alone in the universe mm-hmm. and what it means to explore. I mm-hmm. have a kind of a two-part dumb question here, but 
Um, <laughs> we we just have telescopes that can see into Andromeda, or we, we there's no way we send anything there, have we? Any no. spacecraft? No, that's that's not even close to being possible. You're off by like a lot, a lot, yeah, light that's, years. That, that's the yeah. challenge, right? Is that is that the nearest stars are very very far away? I mean, unless and something... Andromeda outside of our solar system or galaxy, you've got to go to Andromeda. As as Kip um, outlined in the work that he did with uh, Interstellar. Right, you have to have some kind of warp in space time yeah, to really think about humans going outside of our solar system. Or, I mean, in, in, in the case of Andromeda, that's even yet even a bigger step because right. that's not just interstellar, that's intergalactic travel. And that's, right. you, at the moment, we think intergalactic travel is so impossible that, I mean, we don't think that really anything could do it. Do you think we have to learn I a lot mean, more about dark, about dark matter before we oh, can no. really I learn mean, we'd about... Have to, we'd have to know we how to, to make a faster-than-light travel. You can't... Right now, you cannot ballistically get to You Andromeda. couldn't get there. It would be disappeared by the time you got there, you mean? Well, no, actually, no. drama's coming to us. You could just wait no, a billion years and it will show up. That's all? Right? That's not that long. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, the problem is, from all that we know... We will never get through those places. So we will have to find that there's a feature of our universe that we do not currently know and understand, and we'll have to explore, exploit that mm. to be able to get ourselves to cross interstellar space. No, but, you know, we're a lot more likely to learn how to do that and stumble upon an accident that might lead to that by trying to go to Mars first than if we just decide not to go to Mars. Because... Some of the pieces involved in doing that are going to go there. Um, like you know, a good example is uh, when somebody went off in ships to try and find you know the island Hawaii or something from Tahiti. Like you know that 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 sense of going out there and trying that was that's still a stepping stone to imagining building a ship that can then take you to the moon, which would have seemed equally impossible, I think, you know, back in the times when people are trying to colonize Hawaii. You know, like. A, you know, thousands of years ago. I don't, if you think if you said, like the, the concept that people would be able to get into a, a little ship that then also just goes to the moon is probably very, that seemed just something that could never happen. And it, you know, it happened within a few hundred years of people right. thinking about it. When we explore, we are honestly sort of searching for the edges of us. What can we do? What's our potential? Mm -hmm. How far can we go? What questions can we ask and dare to hope to answer? Metaphysical and, questions. Why are we even here? Right. And that act of doing it sharpens us. It actually makes us better, smarter. We learn by that act. And so um, I agree with you, Kevin, you know, that we'll, uh, if we stop exploring, I actually think we'll wither and die because as a, as a species, we've always been exploring. The exploration's gotten a lot harder. Right? It was hard to cross the Mediterranean. It was harder to cross the Atlantic. It was much harder to make it to the moon and harder still to make it to Mars. Each step gets more difficult, but we've got to keep at it. I think it's sort of the essence of who we are. And it's, it's so amazing how it, once we've done it, it very quickly seems, you know, quote unquote, easy. Yep. Like, mm. you know, the moon within five years, people are like, well, okay, we did it. And suddenly you had no reason to do it because we knew it could be done. So when my, that just means we need a harder target. We're curious creatures that have to keep progressing or right. else there's nothing for us to wake up yeah. for as a species. Yep. Yep. So today in the news also is uh, the Powerball. 
And yeah. I, <laughs> I bought 20 bucks. Yeah. So 10 tickets, right. Yeah. So um, so a friend of mine I went to high school with, he, he's, he's a newscaster, so he interviewed one of the mathematicians here, and he had some funny examples of what had the same odds of, like, he said you, you could turn off your GPS and just have a monkey tell you which way to turn, left mm-hmm. or right. And he said you're more likely to get to your destination by the monkey picking which way randomly. you go. Yeah, randomly. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you were to win the Powerball. Because it's what, one in 200 million or 300 something? 300 million, yeah. W- which yeah. is still better than, a, because you're going to win a billion and three, right? So, so the odds are still, now, billion and so the odds are double of the mathematical odds, unless right. you have two winners. Then right. it doesn't count. So so I post, I, I thought about that a little, and my favorite come back to thing is always, is that a word? Come back to thing? Anyway. I don't uh, think so. I think it's it was uh, your chance of dying in a, in a, asteroid level yeah, an extinction nice level event because we've talked about this before it's yeah. the same as being killed in an airplane but mm-hmm. just from the way the human brain works uh being in an airplane is much more scary and it's weird the same way with powerball that even though the, it's you know everyone says the expectation value is below a, you know a half that means no matter what you're always going to get a dollar back on average like you can't put all your money into the powerball and get the powerball money mm-hmm. all back that's just the way it's designed that's the entire mm-hmm. point um, but the brain doesn't work that way too. So I thought it was kind of funny that we're willing. So many people are willing to fund this thing that you might get this once in a three hundred million, but that same psychological effect doesn't seem to work the other way around. Where like, well, what if we lose that one in three hundred million chance, and you know, all life on Earth is uh, is wiped out? How come people don't just go, oh yeah, I'll I'll put two bucks into that? You know, is that uh, weird for, that that for, uh, for asteroid <laughs> defense, for instance? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just those odds. For example, uh, you live about a hundred years. Let's just round that. Um, that means, uh, let's say, there's a, an asteroid that hits every three hundred, uh, every uh, hundred million years. Also, so you have a one in million, one in one million chance of dying from an asteroid. Not just you, but like all of your entire species forever. But, um, you know, so you're actually three hundred times more likely to be extinct the way the dinosaurs did. But nobody sees that one as a as a possible outcome. It's no TV commercials. Oh, okay. yeah, you don't you don't win money at the end. You know what I mean? It's not like you're betting on an asteroid and you win yeah. something. That's true. I, I try to explain to my old roommate. Um, he he didn't go to college, but he's a really smart, street smart guy. And I was trying to explain to him like statistics. Mm-hmm. He gets like the fantasy five. Uh, five. You got to win five numbers. Uh, to to win like three grand or something mm-hmm. stupid, right? I'm like, you understand the odds is 10 times, 10 times, 10 times, to, to, to the fifth power to win this. And you only win about three grand. And then he was like, yeah, but if I put in a dollar, I win $3,000. I'm like, you're not, you're not understanding what I'm saying. All he's concentrating on is $1 turning into three grand. He doesn't care what the odds are. So That'd I think be pretty cool. the so general public doesn't, they, they just see, oh, okay, I can win three grand. Good. That's why it's so fascinating, though, because it's the same. It's weird the way that one is so grained in your head and everyone can lock onto that. But then the like, the thing like, oh yeah, an asteroid might kill us, but you know I can't do anything about that kind of thing. Like that mentality is a completely different section of the way the the brain works. I think one of the reasons that is, Kevin, is because of time. We're really bad at understanding time. Um, an old family friend is the president of the Long Now um, Foundation up in the Bay Area. Brian Eno's a founder of it, um, uh, the, you know, which is like about long-term thinking. Mm-hmm. We don't think about what my children's 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 children will be exposed to. We think, so when you start, you say, oh, uh, asteroid hits the Earth every 100 million years, all of a sudden, 
you've lost everybody. Right. Hundred like million zero. years. Right. That I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think most of us care about our children's children's children. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm I'm dead. I'm gone. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, that's that always that's I think how most too. of us think. Right. Well, I think it's the kids that goes away. Most people I know oh, are kids. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I, have kids. Kids. I have kids, and I don't share that. I see. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's a weird me thing without happens kids. Yeah. When you become a parent, like there's this weird little switch that goes on in your head, and mm. it's like immediately like I would die to save my children, and it's just wow. it's in your head, and it doesn't go away. Yeah, I mean, you'll it never just, know, but. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> sterile. Yeah, it just it well, really. Hot tubs. I, mean, I mean, I think Mountain you're gonna do that, right? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. Oh, yeah, totally. yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's not trying to be noble or anything like that. It's ah. just a switch that goes on, and it's genetic. It's programmed in you. Your kids are always more valuable, and than you think you. about the future more because of that. Yeah, well, you think you think about their future. Uh, Griff, so. do you share the feeling they have or the feeling I have about? You obviously, you, literally, that switch doesn't go off until you have wow, kids. So it's, yeah. We don't, we can't possibly have that until we have kids. Yeah, Griff is, th- th- he's using this as a, as a paternity test right now. Because see, if he <laughs> felt that way, yes, then that means you have a kid somewhere. Oh my in god! Romania or that's the question I need to ask Omori, dude. Take some money the paternity test. Is like, how do you feel about hundred years from now? We're gonna we're gonna have an ice age and everybody's gonna die. And if the motherfucker said, "Hey man, I ain't gonna be here hundred years from now. I'm cool." He doesn't have kids. Yeah, that's yeah, all his kid. Yeah. Let's get drunk. Yeah, then like, you're not nope, the father. That is not the father. And he's like, "Yes, I do care." Then he's like, "Yes, that is your father." <laughs> he's like. I don't know why, but I do care. I'm like, well, bring out your kid. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> oh, sh- it might not work though, because there's false names. There's just shitty fathers out there. True. So, or uh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Gotta be the critic. I like that. <laughs> Looking, covering all your bases. <laughs> dad, thanks, Dad. Thank you very much for coming to the show, Adam. It's it's always great to have you here. It's you're a perfect second guest. All right, I'm Kevin Hickerson. You can find me on Twitter, KP Hickerson. Uh, please follow us on. Facebook, surely you're joking, and follow subscribe if you're not subscribed yet. Uh, Griff, you're doing a show at the Laugh Factory. You're not going to be out nope, in time. Nope, won't matter. It, so uh, I'm at Griff Pippin, um, and you can see Kevin and I at the main room of the Comedy Store on January 30th. 30th. That's going to be. And an that's awesome a Saturday. Show. That's at 8 p.m. Correct. 7 7 p.m. Comedy Store. The last be one is sold out. So get your tickets. I'll be hosting. Going to be some huge special guests. It's going to be a killer show. It's my birthday. So you'd feel bad if you miss it. Yeah. Nice. I'll be at Disneyland, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to miss it. Uh, you guys can follow me, Jimmy Oyan. At funny Asian dude, uh, can people follow you on Twitter? Yes, Adam? at Stiltsner. You can get me on at Stiltsner. Okay, thank you very much. This has been surely joking.